Good morning. Good morning. Hey, good to see everybody here this morning. Good to be here this morning. Amen. Good to good to be anywhere this morning. Amen. <laughs> oh, looks like we might get a little snow today, and that's all right too, as long as we're inside. Amen. Do we have any birthdays this week? No boy days. Anniversaries. Well, praise the Lord anyway. Oh, let's uh, let's begin our worship. So, well, one quick announcement uh, or two. There will be uh, Bible study at five o'clock this evening, right, Mary? Yes. Okay. And the uh, book club, book club uh, is meeting on uh, every other Wednesday, starting this Wednesday uh, at ten o'clock here in the fellowship hall. So anybody that uh, is interested in uh, reading and discussing, why well, uh, it's a good uh, good chance to do it. Bring a sack lunch. Okay. Some of those sacks are mighty tasty. Let's uh, begin our praises this morning with uh, number sixty-eight. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing.
And number 88, nope, number 90, excuse me. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. Will you lead us in prayer, please? Our Father in God, we are so blessed. Lord, we thank you that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through in this life, we don't go through anything alone. You promised you would never leave us, never forsake us. You are our Redeemer, you are our friend, you are our defender. Lord, we turn to you for all of our needs, and you never let us down. You never fail. Lord, I have to confess that I fail you often, and for that I am sorry. I repent. I ask that you forgive us of our failures. Help us, Lord, to move on, to move up, to move closer to you. Use this service, this time of worship, is a time to bring us closer to you, a time for us to repent, to confess our sins to you, and, Lord, to listen to what you say and to obey you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 428. More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. has our uh, communion meditation. Good morning. Uh, the way to the cross. There is a city in Germany, Oberammergau, that hosts the Passion Play every 10 years recreating the death of Christ. The story is told about one year, some tourists had come to see the play, and one of them asked one of the actors that was playing Jesus if he could lift the cross for a moment. He wanted to see, see how it felt. He thought it would be a stage prop and light, not any effort to really pick it up. 
but he discovered that it was so heavy he had difficulty lifting it. He asked the actor, said, why didn't you have him make a cross that was easier to carry? The actor responded, well, if I could not feel the weight of the cross, I could not play the part. Although we cannot physically carry Jesus' cross, we can get some idea of how much he dreaded that cross. We see it at the Last Supper. We hear his pleas for release from it in Gethsemane. Perhaps if we're willing to think about it, we get a glimpse when Jesus staggers and falls under the weight of the cross. Jesus tells us that we too have a cross to bear and that we are expected to carry it daily. What does that mean? Well, for at least one of the disciples, it meant a literal cross. For all of them, with the possible exception of John, it meant dying for him. When Jesus told his disciples they must take up their own cross, he meant it. Thankfully, we in America are not threatened with giving our lives for our faith, at least up to today. But let us not dare trivialize what Jesus expects of us. Just what are we willing to sacrifice for Jesus? Our security, our jobs, our home, uh, our stuff? At what point do we say to Jesus, stop, it's enough? But all of that is negative, and I believe the message Jesus is giving is a positive one. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. That's the real promise. Don't, don't all of us know people who, by society standards, have it all, but who are unhappy, miserable, lonely. Yet throughout the centuries, those who have been willing to give up everything for Jesus, including their lives, can testify that even in this world, they have a peace that our society as a whole doesn't comprehend. We can only imagine what they will have in the next in one sense, Jesus took up his cross so that we would not have to, taking upon himself the punishment that we should have suffered. At the same time, he has told us that we too have a cross to carry. And let us never forget that. Amen. Father, thank you for this day and all the blessings of life you continue to bestow upon us. Thank you for the church for allowing us to assemble here today freely. Be with us as we gather around the table to observe the body and the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Be, be with each one who partakes of it in a manner well-pleasing unto you. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a couple of minutes and uh, just think about what the weight of the cross means to us and what it meant to Jesus.
when Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room to celebrate the Passover meal. Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, passed it among them, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Eat ye of it. And when they had eaten, he took the cup, giving thanks, passed it to them, saying, This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. stand for the doxology. Praise God from Number 574, we continue to praise our Lord. I'm bound for the promised land.
seated. Brother Wayne Morris has our uh, special music this morning. Song is from a Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen prayer that I think we uh, need to pray every day. <clears throat> if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves shall humble themselves and pray if my people which are called by my name shall seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear and will forgive. Forgive their sin If my people Which are called by my name Shall humble themselves Shall humble themselves and pray I will forgive their sin I will forgive their sin. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Thank you. Strike three, you're out. <laughs> All right. Well, my first piece of advice to everyone is never ask Jim Sutton for anything hot. You know, I agreed to do this chip challenge as a way to uh, maybe raise some money for something. And so I asked Jim, I know he likes hot stuff, like my brother's. And, uh, oops, losing my microphone here. And so, uh, anyway, I'll just leave it hanging on there. <laughs> he is, uh, he told me he had some stuff. He said, I don't know what it's called. He said, your brother had it. It's got three skull and, or four skull and crossbones on it. <laughs> he brought me a little vial, just a little bitty thing. And, uh, so... I just touched it to the tip of my finger and touched it to my tongue. 
Well, after three layers of skin were gone off my tongue, three days later, I could almost taste stuff again and feel with my tongue. (laughs) That stuff is hot. (laughs) And he says, well, there's enough there to do you a couple of chips. (laughs) Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, when he, when he tells you something's hot, he means it. Don't, don't fool around with it. <laughs> it's serious business. Serious heat. It had uh, what they call Scoville units is how they measure it. It's 350,000 Scoville units, which is really hot. It's like the hottest stuff known to man. <clears throat> yeah. So... Did clean my sinuses, though. (laughs) And my eyes, because I did a few other things with it that I shouldn't have. But uh, just a warning. If you get it on your finger, don't touch anything else (laughs) on your body. (gasps) It burns. All right. How are you? Praise the Lord. I've been uh, a little under the weather for about four or five days now. Nothing serious, just kind of feeling like I'm in a fog and a lot of sleep. (laughs) Uh, No fever, no chills, none of that. Just feeling like I got a cold, common cold. You know, I was thinking how much our... uh, our society and technology and medicine and everything has progressed so much... And yet we still can't do anything about a common cold. Nothing. <laughs> Just deal with it. So, isn't that wonderful? Well, this morning we're doing the first of uh, one of the messages that is more topical or, or at least off of the topic of our regular series. Uh, every uh, month uh, on the 4th, Sunday of every month, I'm going to do this. And tomorrow, or tomorrow, next Sunday, will be fifth Sunday. And to my knowledge, no one has asked to take that Sunday on. So unless somebody speaks out between now and then, uh, I've been asked to speak about hell. So I'll be doing that next Sunday if someone else doesn't ask. And I know that's everybody's favorite topic. You don't want to miss talking about hell because it's such a wonderful warm vacation spot (laughs) not (laughs) so this morning I'm going to talk to you about the message that uh, Paul gave before uh, Drusilla and Felix while he was in prison and it comes from the book of Acts chapter 24 Uh, And just two verses, verses 24 and 25. This is what it says. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked, now here's the things he talked about. He talked about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave when I find it convenient 
I will send for you. (laughs) Now, that's a perfect three-point message that he gave there. But it is, we're giving, we're given the, uh, the whole uh, presentation, the purpose behind the presentation there in the first, at uh, the last part of verse 24, when he says, he spoke about faith in Jesus Christ. What does it take to have faith in Jesus Christ? So he first talked about righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Who can tell me? What is righteousness? Wow. Jesus is righteousness. What else is righteousness? Man, I've heard of tough crowds before. Come on, folks. (laughs) Obedience, yes. Righteousness is to do what is right. To be righteous. To do what is right. Now... How do we find out what is right and what is wrong? In the Bible. Yes, absolutely. That's, we have to go to God because God is holy. God is righteous. God is the one who decides what is right and what is wrong. Now, well, who does he think he is? God? <laughs> yes, absolutely. He does. And the reason why he has the right to determine what is right and what is wrong is because he created everything that exists. When you make something, you have the right to determine what you do with it, right? God made everything. So he has the right to determine what is right and what is wrong. Now, he doesn't just arbitrarily do that, though, because his nature is holy. His nature is righteous. His nature is loving and kind and gentle, but also firm. And he has to be a judge. You know, one of the hardest things for parents is to have to discipline your children. We don't like to do that, especially our grandchildren. (laughs) We really don't like to do that. But when they do things that is not right, when they refuse to behave in a manner that is expected of them, there has to be consequences. Now, if we can see that as human beings, then why do we want to argue that God has no right as our heavenly father to discipline us? And yet we still always want to argue. Well, I don't know what I did so wrong, God. (laughs) Yeah, we do. (laughs) We always know what we've done. You know, I've shared many stories about getting in trouble when, when I was a child. But there's been times when I got in trouble as an adult, too. (laughs) Uh, And, and that was in trouble with God as well as sometimes with men. (laughs) Uh, When I was in the Navy, I did a lot of things that people shouldn't do. Uh, And and God constantly reminded me of that. He was always sending someone to pray for me and to pray with me and to offer to take me to church and to help me get back on the right path. And I always told him, get away from me. (laughs) I don't want that. Because I was enjoying my time of sin way too much. But he finally got through. 
Why? Because I was living unrighteously and he and his people always reminded me of that. Always reminded me of what is righteous, what is holy. Folks, anytime that we as Christians, ambassadors for God, ambassadors for Jesus Christ... Anytime we come into the presence of someone who is living an unholy and unrighteous life, they have this feeling come over them and they can't understand it. They don't know why, but they come under conviction. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in you. That's why. So when we come into the presence of evil, evil quakes at the presence of God doesn't like it at all. Have you ever had someone just kind of go off on you and there seemed no reason for it whatsoever? Yeah, that's why. They feel the presence of God through you and they don't like that. They don't like being reminded that they're not living a righteous and a holy life. How do we live a righteous life? Well, the, the first thing is that we have to know who God is. We have to accept that there is a God. You know, there's so much talk about, I don't believe in God. I don't believe God exists. Well, you know what? I could say, I don't believe any of you exist. But that wouldn't change the fact that you're sitting in front of me, would it? You know, there, there are people to this day that believe that the earth is flat. Well, duh. <laughs> uh, you know, that just means that people choose what they believe. People choose. And sometimes we choose correctly. Sometimes we don't. The Bible tells us all we need to know to believe in God, to believe that he created everything that exists, to believe that his son Jesus Christ came to die on a cross for your sins and for mine. And that in order for us to receive salvation, we have to put faith in him and in Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus can save us. And he already has done everything that is needed for our salvation. We just have to put faith in what he has already done. And when we do that, his righteousness is transmitted to us. We are cleansed immediately of our sinfulness. It, it, it's, we're washed in that blood of Jesus and we're pure and holy at that moment. And his righteousness is transferred to us. We also have received righteousness through the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to live in us. God himself lives in me, lives in you through the Holy Spirit. And we're told that he comes to guide us into all righteousness. There's that word again. (laughs) He comes to guide us into all righteousness. If In other words, if we will follow what the Holy Spirit tells us to do by reading the word, he will explain it to us. 
He will tell us what direction we should take, what decisions we should make, how we should live our life. He will tell us it doesn't always happen immediately. So that means we have to be patient. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't either. You know, one of the hardest things for human beings to do is wait. I mean that. How many times have you gone through a checkout line? And by the time you get up there, you're angry. Why are you moving so slow? What's taking so long? Well, duh, we're not the only ones there. (laughs) And by the way, that's not a very gracious or righteous attitude for a Christian to have either, is it? We're also supposed to be long-suffering, <laughs> understanding, graceful. So the first thing is you have to believe in God. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you believe that the Word of God gives us the pattern of life to live out what is right. And when we do that, then we are becoming righteous. The second thing that he said is (laughs) self-control. Well, we just talked a little bit about that by being in the line. How about when you're in a traffic jam? Uh, Do you sit there and praise God and sing hymns or do you sit there and get angry and more angry and more angry till you shake and fist at people? You know, that reminds me, I, I read a story one time. There was, there was a, a, a major traffic jam, and I think this was in California, which there's always traffic jams in California, folks. <laughs> I used to drive a truck out there. And you see some weird things while people are in their cars, too, I'll tell you. Uh, people change clothes right there in their car. <laughs> it's, it's like, what are you doing? But, you know, sometime this, this traffic jam, this person was there, this lady, and she just kept becoming more and more angry. Well, there was a police officer behind her, and he was observing her behavior, and she was very acting very erratic. She was shaking her fist and blowing her horn, screaming obscenities. And finally, he just... Turns his lights on, walks up to her car and says, Ma'am, I'm going to have to ask you to step out of the car. And she says, What? (laughs) Well, you know, she's fighting him. He puts her in cuffs. He takes her down to the station. (laughs) And finally it all gets sorted out and they're about to set her free. And the policeman says, Well, ma'am, I guess I owe you an apology. He said, But, you know, he said, I... I assumed your car was stolen. She said, what? What made you think my car was stolen? I said, because on the back it says, follow me to the Baptist church, and there's a Jesus symbol. And said, the way you were acting, I just assumed that somebody else was in your car. <laughs> so people notice. People notice. When we lose self-control, we also lose respect. You know, I have a habit of losing my composure, and I'm working on it, but I haven't got there yet. It's easy for me to, to, to get aggravated, especially about certain things, and I have to be careful. But 
He's still working on me. <laughs> Ever heard that? <laughs> I praise God that he doesn't give up on us. Because I'd have been left behind and burning in hell a long time ago if he gave up on us. You know, when I was, uh, I think, 13, was the first time I really got excited about accepting Jesus uh, at Baptist Church in Henryville. And I remember Rocky Barnes used to sing, um, I've got a mansion over the hilltop. Oh, I loved that song, and he could sing it. And we just really... I I really got in tune with God and with the Holy Spirit for a while. But then things started to change. I started seeing things differently. I started seeing um, there was a a man who was a deacon in the church. And he had been a mentor to me to some degree. I had looked up to him. He had taught some of my classes uh, in Sunday school and different things. And one day, he divorces his wife, and this other woman and man got divorced, and he married her and found out they had been carrying on for quite a while. And I asked him, I said, how could you do that? And he said, it was easy. (laughs) And I thought, okay, that just crushed my spirit, folks. Because I really looked up to this man. He was an older man. He had been a Christian for a long time. I had a lot of respect for him. And I just kind of lost interest in church for a while after that. Self-control plays a big part in our witness to the world. The devil will always tempt us. He will always tempt us with something. It doesn't matter what it is. Sex outside of marriage. Sex that is uh, perverse or other than the way that God prescribed it. Living together outside of marriage. Uh, You know, even when I say my temper gets the best of me sometimes, I have to be careful with that. I have to apologize a lot (laughs) because of that. And... These things are a matter of not having good self-control. Now, technically, we should say it, we should be under spirit control more than self-control. Because if we release ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we will not have as many challenges. We will not have as many problems if we walk with God more We will walk in the world less. So, righteousness, self-control, and the last thing he talked about was judgment to come. It scared Felix to think about this. Why? Because he knew he was not living a righteous and holy life. He knew that he was a sinner and that he was bound for hell. He knew that if judgment came right then, he would go to hell. So it scared him. Judgment is coming for all of us, folks. Judgment is coming. Now, We like to talk about there's going to be this final judgment. Yes, that's true. But there's also judgment every moment of every day. Hmm. We're under the grace of God, yes. But if we do wrong, God 
distances himself from us. That's a form of judgment. It's a form of correction. God's saying, okay, you're going to be like that. I'm going over here. You get straight, I'll come back. You repent. You ask forgiveness. You straighten your life out. You stop doing that. I'll get closer to you again. Anybody besides me ever experienced that? Yeah, a few people anyway. Some of you's honest. Um, <laughs> I know we've all experienced it at some point in time. Because all of us are sinners. And I didn't say that. God did. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, the judgment to come should scare everyone who is not living right. It should scare people that are not living right because those who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if judgment came to them at this moment, their life would literally be hell from then on. A lot of people like to think, well, you know, I won't go to hell. I've been, I've done this and I've done, I've been to church a few times and I gave money to this or that charity. I, you know, I'm sorry, folks. We can't buy our way into heaven. We can't earn our way into heaven. Judgment is not based on, uh, what we did per se, so much as it is on what we have believed and lived accordingly. Now, within that context, there is some judgment based on what we have done. But it's not about earning our way. Did you do enough to get in? No, you can't. You cannot do enough to earn your way into heaven. You cannot be good enough. Only Jesus was good enough. Because he was the son of God in the flesh. That's why we have to put our faith and our trust in him. He's the only one who can be the savior. You know, we all have a choice to make. We can all accept the fact usually that there is a God. We can all usually accept the fact that Jesus is the son of God. But what we have a hard time with a lot of times is obedience. <laughs> I don't like to give this up. I don't like to give that. I don't want to do this that way. I want to do it this way. Well, all I can say is that what Paul said, judgment is coming. Now, God allows us all to make those decisions for ourselves. His aim, we know according to the scripture, is that none should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. All should come to repentance. And that is the knowledge of God. Because when you really see God for who he is, when you really see Christ for, for the great love that he has, so much so that he died a terrible death, for you and for me. He took on all that suffering. All of that shame. All of the guilt. 
just so that you and I could go to heaven with him. When you really see that, when you really grasp that, when you really get what he did for you and for me, it's hard from then on to not want to live for him. It's hard from then on not to want to do what he says. The flesh still cries out, oh no, I don't like this. The world says, oh no, this is not a part of our culture. We don't do it that way. You, you, you have quit cussing, you've quit smoking, you quit doing pot, heroin, whatever, drinking. You stop doing all this stuff. Your old friends will cry out and say, oh, who are you? We don't know who you are anymore. You're right. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I'm a new person. I became new in Jesus Christ when I died to sin and I was rose again from the water baptism, a new person in Jesus Christ. I'm not that old person. You people are right. I'm not that old person. And you want me to be. The devil wants me to be. My flesh wants me to go back to being that old person that has those old habits, those old familiar hangouts, those old familiar places and people. It feels good to go back to that and reminisce in a way. But then the Holy Spirit nudges and says, nope. This is not where you belong. This is not who you are anymore. You have a reason to live a better life now. I have given you everything that you need. I have equipped you to do better than this, to live better than this. Oh, but I'm going back to witness to those people. Well, that's good, but you need to be a Christian for a while yourself before you can do that because the chances are that they can pull you back easier than you can pull them out until you get deep into your faith and your walk with Jesus Christ. If you want to do those friends a favor, send someone else to witness to them because they're not going to listen to you anyway. You smoked pot with them. You drank with them. You cussed with them. They're not respecting you. They're not going to listen to you. They'll notice a change, yes, But they're not going to respect you. But someone they don't know, who they think has been living a life for a long time that way, they may actually listen to them. They may have respect for them and still not hear them. (laughs) Because it's a choice we all make. You know, we were reading in our Sunday school class this morning about, in Genesis, how it talks about when Noah... Uh, was preaching, people suppressed the truth. They held back the truth. I don't want that. It didn't say they didn't know the truth. It didn't say they couldn't understand the truth. It says they suppressed the truth. That's what many people are doing still today. It's not that they haven't heard the truth. It's not that they don't know that what they're doing is wrong because they've heard the truth and they know the truth. It's because they don't want to agree with it. They don't want to accept it. They don't want a Lord and a Savior to tell them how to live. I am the captain of my own ship. I used to be that person, folks. I know just how far down the wrong path you can go. I was at the point 
of committing suicide, driving my car 120 mile an hour towards a block wall. I was done. It was over. And then Jesus hugged me. I felt him hug me and whispered in my ear, I love you. You may think nobody does, but I love you. That stopped it. That changed everything. I knew he was with me. He's always with me. I knew that no matter what else any man ever did, it didn't matter because Jesus was with me. He loved me. This is what keeps me going, folks. It's been four, five, six years ago in the other room there one morning praying in Jesus. I was concerned about something. I was trying to work it out, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to do it. And Jesus just whispers in my ear and says, I got your back. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) Jesus has got my back. I'm good. (laughs) What am I complaining about? He's got my back. Just move forward. Just move forward. If I take the wrong step, he'll let me know. He wants to guide us in every step that we take. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to tell us, go here or go there. Sometimes he chooses to do that. Sometimes he chooses not to. But when we take a wrong step, he lets us know. He always lets us know. Have you ever walked into a place and felt all of a sudden like, wow, I shouldn't be here. Something's not right. That's the Holy Spirit telling you, get out. Get out now. Don't stay here. Something evil is here. Don't stay. You will be influenced the wrong way. When we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, when we learn to obey those nudges, then we are becoming more righteous. You know, in God's eyes, you are perfect. That's what the Word says. It's not what I say. It's what the Word says. In God's eyes, you and I are perfect because we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Does that mean that He doesn't still know when we do wrong? Nope. He knows it. But let me ask you this. Do you, every time your child does something wrong, do you kick them out of the family? Do you tell them, you're not my child anymore, go away? Nope. God doesn't do that either. In his eyes, we're perfect. We're the apple of his eye. Why? Because we chose Jesus. That means that on judgment day or any time before then, when we die, we go to be with him forever, forever. And as we were singing this morning, (laughs) no more pain, no more sickness, no more poisonous breath. (laughs) That's why I'm wearing a mask. (laughs) You know, it's a gift. It's all a gift. All we have to do is accept it. Unwrap that package, open it, and enjoy it. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord in Christ, 
Today is the day of salvation. Open your heart. Receive him. If you're a Christian and you've been not living right, repent. Today is the day of repentance. If you are looking for a church family, we'd love to have you here. If you want to know anything, ask myself or one of the elders. Actually, you're going to have to ask them today because as soon as I walk off the stage, I'm leaving. Um, I'm not feeling well, and I don't want to make anybody else ill. So I'm going to put my mask on and walk home. (laughs) But I love you all. That's why I'm doing it. (laughs) So if you have a need, there are elders here. There are men, women here who will pray with you, help you in any way that you need. You don't have to be a man to be a prayer warrior. You don't have to be a man to be a godly person. But you do have to obey Christ. So if you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation this morning is number 485. God will take care of you. Let's stand and sing.
You may be seated. Getting, uh, getting some feedback out of the speakers, uh, Mark. Yeah, so, so can everybody. That's, uh, I think it's coming out of the monitors. Uh, where were we? Oh, yes, okay. Uh, 